Somebody just said, I didn't hear you, but I assume somebody said for uh, over 10 years now, I've walked up here, and every Sunday morning I've walked up here, I've been carrying my orange notebook. You guys seen the orange notebook? No orange notebook today. Orange notebook is fine. (laughs) He's just taking a week off. And uh, it's going to be a very different time service for us together, but I want to encourage you to do this. And, and, and I know that some of you do this without fail, and some of you don't, but I want to encourage you. It's going to be vitally important that every single person, whether you're online with us, on the phone with us, or in this room, have your Bible. Now, if your Bible is on your phone, your iPad, I'm okay with that. I have my phone alarm set to where if any of you in my fantasy football league check your scores during the game, I will get a notification. So feel free to use your phones if that's where you keep your Bible. If you brought your Bible with you, open up your Bible to Job 38. Job 38 is where we pick up this morning. If you don't have a Bible with you electronically or your own, then that pew Bible is there. And and here's the thing I want to encourage you to do. If all of a sudden all the pew Bibles are gone, you notice somebody on your pew doesn't have access to a Bible, then scoot over with them and share it together. But I want to encourage every single person to have the Word of God right there in front of them. Job 38 is where we will be getting to here in just a few minutes. It's on page 611. In the Pew Bible. But what I'm going to do, I want to set the table first. And I'm going to look up every single one of these verses that I'm going to tell you about just because I think they're important to set a foundation for where we're going. And where we're going is Job chapter 38. But if you're a note taker and you're going to write these verses down, you're going to have plenty of time because I'm turning with you. Uh, Isaiah 55, 11. Isaiah 55, you don't have to turn there. I'm, I'm going to Isaiah 55, 11 says this, so shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth. It shall not return to me void, but it shall accomplish what I please, and it shall prosper in the thing for which I sent it. That's God talking about his word that we're going to leverage and use this morning. In Psalm chapter 19, let me read verses 7 and 8. Psalm 19, verses 7 and 8, says this, The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. Church, notice that. Converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. God's word is powerful. I'm turning to Romans chapter 15. I am so thankful for my Bible drill days when I was young because, you know, once you learn how to manipulate God's Word, it is something that you don't forget. And I want to encourage you, become familiar with God's Word. But Romans chapter 15 verse 4 says this, for whatever things were written before were written for our learning that we, through the patience and comfort of the Scriptures, might have hope. Did you notice that? The Scripture brings hope. 
Jesus said in John chapter 8, verses 31 and 32, said this, Then Jesus said to those Jews who believed, If you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Did you notice that God's word, the truth, will set you free? And then I'm flipping over to 2 Timothy, and you're going, Jeff, are we getting to Job? Yes. Soon. You just keep following with me here, making good notes. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 14 to 17 says this, But you must continue in the things which you have learned and been assured of, knowing from whom you have learned them, and that from childhood you have known the holy scriptures which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. And one final one I want to share with you is in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12. says this, For the word of God is living and powerful, and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and of joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Church, can I share with you that God's word is powerful. It's perfect. It's right. It's pure. It brings hope. It can set us free. It leads us to salvation. It can teach us, correct us, instruct us, make you complete, equip you for good work. And it's living. This book, while it, you could say, well, it's cover to cover, and this is not living. God's word is a living testimony of who he is. God's word is powerful. As we learned in sharing Jesus without fear, if you've taken that class, then you're going to go, oh, yeah, I've heard this before. But if you've not taken this class, your opportunities are coming. But it's the work of God's Word alongside the working of the Holy Spirit of God that brings any person to the point of conversion, to the point of change. So let me just take you, I want to talk about the Holy Spirit for just a second. In John chapter 14, in verses 23 through 26, it says this, But the Helper... The Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you. Peace I leave with you, Jesus said. The Holy Spirit, it's the Spirit's job to teach us and to help us remember. In John chapter 15, verse 26, it says, But when the Helper comes whom I shall send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth will, who proceeds from the Father, he will testify of me. The Spirit is truth, and it knows only but to speak of the truth, and that is Jesus. In John chapter 16, Jesus is teaching all of this about the Holy Spirit, verses 13 and 14. However, when he, the Spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, 
and he will tell you the things to come. He will glorify me, and he will take of what is mine and declare it to you. It's the Holy Spirit's job to guide us, to declare God's purposes to us, and to glorify God through us. That's the Holy Spirit's job. And then in John chapter 17, Jesus said them, sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. The Spirit will bring sanctification. It will change us. The Spirit will, using the word, change us. A couple of other places I want to take you. If you're taking notes, write down these couple more. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9 and 10 says this, but as it is written, make sure I'm in the right one. Yep. As it is written, I has not seen nor ear heard, nor have entered into the hearts of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. But God has revealed them to us through his spirit. For the spirit searches all things, yes, the deep things of God. Church, did you see that? That the God will use the Holy Spirit to reveal himself to us. And so I was encouraged this week by the lead. I can tell you that when we started Job on July the 30th, believe it or not, here we are on October the 15th. On July the 30th, we started the book of Job. And God laid on my heart that week how I was going to handle this week. Now, I've been scratching and clawing with you studying God's word for these 11 weeks, but I knew going into this week what God wanted me to do starting in Job chapter 38. And so God has been leading through his word and leading through his Holy Spirit to get me to this point. And you're going, Jeff, are we going to Job? Yes, we're getting there. But I'm following what I believe is clearly the working of God. So, if you want to mark this down or you can turn there, but Nehemiah chapter 8. Nehemiah chapter 8. I'm going to read verses 1 through 10. In Nehemiah chapter 8, if you remember the story of Nehemiah, the wall had been rebuilt by many different people, and it's come time to where they've counted up the people and they've understand everything. And so we get to chapter 8 of Nehemiah chapter 8, and I'm just going to read these, 12, these 10, 10 verses, 1 through 10, of Nehemiah chapter 8. It says, Now all the people gathered together as one man in the open square. We're going to pretend this is an open square. That was in the front of the water gate. And they told Ezra the scribe to bring the book of the law of Moses, which the Lord had commanded Israel. So Ezra the priest brought the law before the assembly of men and women and all who could hear with understanding on the first day of the seventh month. Then he, that would be Ezra, read from it in the open square that was in front of the water gate from morning until midday. And some of you just swallowed real hard. Before the men and women and those who could understand and the ears of all the people were attentive to the book of the law. That means that Ezra stood up to read and everybody leaned in and said, God, we want to hear from you. That's what's happening so far in this scripture. So Ezra, verse 4, So Ezra the scribe stood on a platform of wood, which they had made for this purpose, and beside him at his right hand stood 
a bunch of people with some very complicated names. Mattathiah, Shema, Aniah, Uriah, Hilkiah, Massasiah, and on his left hand, Padiah, Mishael, Malkajah, Hashem, Hashbadana, Zechariah, and Meshulam. And Ezra opened the book in the sight of all the people, for he was standing above all the people. And when he opened it, all the people stood up. And some of you are going, oh, no. And Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God. Then all the people answered, amen, amen, while lifting up their hands. And they bowed their heads and worshiped the Lord with their faces to the ground. Church, you hear this? We're reading God's word and people are worshiping. And Jeshua, Bonnie, Sherebiah, Jamin, Akab, Shabbatiah, Hodijah, Messiah, Ralita, Azariah, Jozebad, Hanan, Peliah, and the Levites helped the people to understand the law, and the people stood in their place. Now, I want to stop for just a second at verse 7. I know I'm going through verse 10, but in verse 7, here's what I'd like you to do. And the, nobody knows you're getting ready to do this, so just, just go with me here just a second. If you are an ordained man, whether you serve as a deacon in this church or have in another if you are an ordained man, would you and your wife, if she is here, just stand? And church, I want you to look around and I want you to see the ordained men and their wives in this room. Look around, get a good eye full. They're all over the building. Thank you. You may be seated. Also for this purpose, if you are a Sunday school teacher of any age, any age, and I know that Sunday school teachers' spouses have a plague. And if you are a spouse of a Sunday school teacher of any age, would you stand up right now? Church, I want you to look around. I want you to see who these people are. Look around. See them. They're in the balcony. They're on the floor. Thank you. You may be seated. Listen to verse 8. So they read distinctly from the book in the law of God, and they gave the sense and helped them to understand the reading. Those deacons, their wives, those teachers, their spouses, at a very minimum, church, are a resource to us. Okay? Now, that does not mean that if you have not stood up that you are not a resource. It just means that they called out certain leaders. We have called out certain leaders. And leaders, I'm putting you on the spot. Read, know, and be ready to help give the people a sense of what God's Word says when we read it. And Nehemiah, verse 9, who was the governor, Ezra the priest and scribe and the Levites who taught the people said to all the people, this day is holy to the Lord your God. Do not mourn nor weep for all the people wept when they heard the words of the law. You know what happens when we hear the words of the law revealed by a holy and perfect God, we are reminded that we are not a holy and perfect people and that he loves us through his mercy and his grace. And that shattered the people, but they said no. Don't do that. Verse 10, then he said to them, go your way, eat the fat, drink the sweet, and send portions to those whom nothing is prepared, for this day is holy to our Lord. Do not sorrow, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. 
seeing what's happening here. We're making much of the word of God. We're making much of the Spirit's activity with the word of God. And we are calling out people from within our own family to be helpful and ready to give a sense. In Job chapter 1, some of you really got scared then. In Job chapter 1, God spoke. Remember, we talked about this. In Job chapter 2, God spoke. From Job chapter 2, verse 7, all the way until Job chapter 38, verse 1, God has been silent. No word from God. In Job chapter 38, verse 2, all the way through Job chapter 41, verse 32, God speaks. God speaks. And I understood a long time ago, I told you before July the 30th, that when we came to Job 38, God didn't need me to tell you what God was saying. God said, I'll tell them what I'm saying. You just read the word to them. And so in order to make this moment one of, of even greater scriptural alignment, I have asked the following four people. You will notice in scripture in Nehemiah, he had people standing on his left and on his right. And so Zeke and Zach are going to come stand right down here with their Bibles. And Kenny and Michael Perryman, our current chairman of deacons, they're going to come stand right here with their Bibles. And church, we're going to read the Word of God. And I'm not going to pastorally interrupt God. We're going to read the Word of God. And I know that the Spirit of God, along with the Word of God, along with us adhering to the process of God, that I expect God to do something in me and in you in these few minutes. Because, see, I've been reminded, because this is a challenge to me. No orange notebook, no notes, no good story to open up. I don't even know how we're going to end this thing. I just know what I'm supposed to be doing right now. And if we're not careful, we'll begin to think that we need Jeff to know God. Jeff will begin to think you need Jeff to know God. And God says, uh-uh. You know me because I make you know me. Amen? All right. So church, we're going to allow you to stay seated. If all of a sudden you just go, I'm not going to stay seated, well, then you can stand up. But we're going to stay seated. I mean, we're going to stand up right here. And I'm going to read, and I'm not going to stop. Job 38, 1, through Job 41. And I've done this in my office. I can tell you how long it about takes. But I can tell you, every time I've read it, I've gotten more out of it and more out of it. And so I pray that today... Maybe you want to take and read it again, and read it again, and read it again. Job chapter 
38. Then the Lord answered Job out of the whirlwind and said, Who is this that darkens counsel by words without knowledge? Now prepare yourself like a man, and I will question you, and you shall answer me. Where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? Tell me if you have understanding. Who determined its measurements? Surely you know, or who stretched the line upon it? To that where, where its foundations fastened, or who laid its cornerstone? When the morning stars sang together, and all the sons of God shouted for joy. Or who shut up in the sea with or who shut in the sea with doors when it burst forth and issued from the womb? When I made the clouds its garment and the thick darkness its swaddling band, when I fixed my limit for it and set bars and doors, when I said, This far you may come, but no farther, and here your proud waves must stop. Have you commanded the morning since your days began and caused the dawn to know its place, that it might take hold of the ends of the earth and the wicked be shaken out of it? It takes on form like clay under a seal and stands out like a garment. From the wicked, their light is withheld and the upraised arm is broken. Have you entered the springs of the sea or have you walked in search of the depths? Have the gates of death been revealed to you or have you seen the doors of the shadow of death? Have you comprehended the breadth of the earth? Tell me if you know all this. Where is the way to the dwelling of light and darkness? Where is its place? That you may take to it that you may take it to its territory, that you may know the paths to its home. Do you know it because you were born then or because the number of your days is great? Have you entered the treasury of snow or have you seen the treasury of hail, which I have reserved for the time of trouble, for the day of battle and war? By what way is light diffused or the east wind scattered over the earth? Who has divided a channel for the overflowing water or a path for the thunderbolt? to cause it to rain on a land where there is no one, a wilderness in which there is no man, to satisfy the desolate waste and cause to spring forth the growth of tender grass. Has the rain a father, or who has begotten the drops of dew, from whose womb comes the ice? And the frost of heaven, who gives it birth? The waters harden like stone, and the surface of the deep is frozen. Can you bind the cluster of the Pleiades or loose the belt of Orion? Or can you bring the Maseroth in its season? Or can you guide the great bear with its cubs? Do you know the ordinances of the heavens? Can you set their dominion over the earth? Can you lift your voice up to the clouds that an abundance of water may cover you? Can you send out lightnings that they may go and say to you, here we are? Who has put wisdom in the mind? Who has given understanding to the heart? Who can number the clouds by wisdom? Or who can pour out the bottles of heaven when the dust hardens in clumps and the clogs cling together? Can you hunt the prey for the lion or satisfy the appetite of the young lion, attitude, appetite of the young lions when they crouch in their dens or lurk, lurk in their lairs to lie in wait? Who provides food for the raven when its young ones cry to God or wander about for lack of food? Do you know the time when the wild mountain goat bears young, or can, you, or can you mark when the deer gives birth? Can you number the months that they fulfill? Or do you know the time when they bear young? They bow down, they bring forth their young, they deliver their offspring, their young ones are healthy, they grow strong with grain, they depart and do not return to them. Who set the wild donkey free, and who loosed the bonds of the onger? Whose home I have made the wilderness and the barren land his dwelling? 
He scorns the tumult of the city. He does not need, does not heed the shouts of the driver. The range of the mountains is his pasture, and he searches after every green thing. Will the wild ox be willing to serve you? Will he bed by your manger? Can you bind the wild ox in the furrow with ropes, or will he plow the valleys behind you? Will you trust him because his strength is greater? Will you leave your labor to him? Will you trust him to bring home your grain and gather it to your threshing floor? The wings of the ostrich wave proudly, but are her wings and pinions like the kindly storks? For she leaves her eggs on the ground and warms them in the dust. She forgets that a foot may crush them or that a wild beast may break them. She treats her young harshly as though they were not hers. Her labor is in vain without concern because God deprived her of wisdom and did not endow her with understanding. When she lifts herself on high, she scorns the horse and its rider. Have you given the horse strength? Have you clothed his neck with thunder? Can you frighten him like a locust? His majestic snorting strike terror. He paws in the valley and rejoices in his strength. He gallops in the clash of arms. He mocks at fear and is not frightened, nor does he turn back from the sword. The quiver rattles against him, the glittering spear and the javelin. He devours the distance with fierceness and rage. He doesn't, he doesn't, nor does he come to a halt because the trumpet has sounded. At the blast of the trumpet, he says, aha, he smells the battle from afar, the thunder of captains and shouting. Does the hawk fly by your wisdom and spread its wings toward the south? Does the eagle mount up at your command and make its nest on high? On the rocks it dwells and resides on the crag of the rock and the stronghold. From there it spies out the prey. Its eyes observe from afar. Its young ones suck up blood and there... And where the slain are, there it is. Moreover, the Lord answered Job and said, Shall the one who contends with the Almighty correct him? He who rebukes God, let him answer it. Then Job answered the Lord and said, Behold, I am vile. What shall I answer you? I lay my hand over my mouth. Once I have spoken, but I will not answer Yes, twice, but I will proceed no further. Then the Lord answered Job out of the whirlwind and said, Now prepare yourself like a man. I will question you, and you shall answer me. Would you indeed annul my judgment? Would you condemn me that you may be justified? Have you an arm like God, or can you thunder with a voice like his? Then adorn yourself with majesty and splendor, and array yourself with glory and beauty. Disperse the rage of your wrath. Look on everyone who is proud and humble him. Look on everyone who is proud and bring him low. Tread down the wicked in their place. Hide them in the dust together. Bind their faces in hidden darkness. Then I will confess to you that your own right hand can save you. Look now at the behemoth which I made along with you. He eats grass like an ox. See now his strength is in his hips and his power is in his stomach muscles. He moves his tail like a cedar, and the sinews of his thighs are tightly knit. His bones are like beams of bronze, his ribs like bars of iron. He is the first of the ways of God. Only he who made him can bring near his sword. Surely the mountains yield food for him, and all the beasts of the field play there. He lies under the lotus tree in a covert of reeds and marsh. The lotus trees cover him with their shade. The willows by the brook surround him. Indeed, the river may rage, yet he is not disturbed. He is confident, though the Jordan gushes into his mouth. 
though he takes it in his eyes or one pierces his nose with a snare. Can you draw out Leviathan with the hook or snare his tongue with the line which you lower? Can you put a reed through his nose or pierce his jaw with the hook? Will he make, will he make many supplications to you or will he speak softly to you? Will he make a covenant with you? Will you take him as a servant forever? Will you play with him as with a bird? Or will you leash him for your maidens? Will your, will your companions make a banquet of him? Will they apportion him among the merchants? Can you fill his skin with harpoons or his head with fishing spears? Lay your hand upon him. Remember the battle. Never do it again. Indeed, any hope of overcoming him is false. Shall one not be overwhelmed at the sight of him? No one is so fierce that he would dare stir him up. Who then is able to stand against me? Who has preceded me that I should pay him? Everything under heaven is mine. I will not conceal his limbs, his mighty power, or his graceful portions. Who can remove his outer coat? Who can approach him with a double bridle? Who can open the doors of his face with his terrible teeth all around? His rows of scales are his pride, shut up tightly as with a seal. One is so near another that no air can come between them. They are joined one to another. They stick together and cannot be parted. His sneezings flash forth light, and his eyes are like the eyelids of the morning. Out of his mouth go burning lights. Sparks to fire, of fire shoot out. Smoke goes out of his nostrils, and from a boiling pot and burning rushes, he breathes, his breath kindles coals, and a flame goes out of his mouth. Strengthen, strength dwells in his neck, and sorrow dances before him. The folds of his flesh are joined together. They are firm on him and cannot be moved. His heart is as hard as stone, even as hard as the lower millstone. When he raises himself up, the mighty are afraid. Because of his crashings, they are beside themselves. Though the sword reach him, it cannot avail, nor does spear, dart, or javelin. He regards iron as straw and bronze as rotten wood. The arrow cannot make him flee. Sling stones become like stubble to him. Darts are regarded as straw. He laughs at the threat of javelins. His undersides are like sharp pot shards. He spreads pointed marks in the mire. He makes the deep boil like a pot. He makes the sea like a pot of ointment. He leaves a shining wake behind him. One would think the deep had white hair. On earth there is nothing like him, which is made without fear. He beholds every high thing. He is king over all the children of pride. May God bless the reading of his word. I want to point out two brief, yeah, you guys can have a seat. I want to point out two brief things. In Job chapter 40, God said in verse 10, Job, if you think you have all the answers, then adorn yourself with majesty and bring the proud to humility. And in chapter 41, when we're talking about the Leviathan, if you remember, God says, all of this cannot be taken down because of the fear of man. But I treat him just like a pet. Who can stand with me? Next week, we will complete the book of Job. 
But one of the things I want to encourage us, starting with me, to do is read God's Word and allow ourselves to be reminded of who God is, of how God is, of all that He has done and all that is. You know, there were many questions there. What God is saying is, Job, who do you think keeps everything And I'm going to trust that the reading of God's Word and that the movement of His Spirit commingled with God's people coming together to speak over it, to get a sense of what it means, that we will all be impacted and be drawn closer to God simply because He has spoken. Amen.